ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. I think, I mean, I said this at the end of the year, that we still need more. You know, we still got to find out more. Uh, and look, at the end of the day, I mean, unfortunately for quarterbacks, even though it might not be all their fault, when you go 7-9 and nine and don't accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish, you're going to shoulder a lot of the blame. No different than the head coach and the general manager. And you might not be able to control everything, but that's just the nature of what we do. I had a long talk with Jacoby about that, about, hey, look, it's just the nature of the position and, and what we do. And that was Colts GM Chris Ballard. Welcome to Combine episode of 1% Better. We're here on Radio Row, me and Zach Kiefer down at the Indianapolis or Indiana Convention Center. We're at the heart of the NFL Combine, and uh, we've got the athletic set up shop here. Zach, uh, this is a real professional operation. It's almost like we're legitimate, huh? Trying. Yeah. Trying to do it. Better than my uh, office at home, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, so we can see the bench press set up over here, and uh, those faithful fans getting ready to uh, take in the action, such as it is. I thought it was interesting yesterday. Frank Wright kind of walked through Radio Row and then all the TV set up and the bench press, and he said, you know, 35 years ago I was at the combine and it was not this. <laughs> he talked about doing the vertical jump on grass. Right, Arizona State. So um, really a guy like, that's seen both sides of it. This is a show. I mean, this is yeah. a production out here. Yeah, but anyway, we are here obviously to talk about the news, and you heard at the top of the show there uh, the opening with Chris Ballard talking about uh, giving his update, I guess, in his uh, summary, I would say, of Jacoby Brissett, the Colts' current quarterback. Uh, there are other quarterbacks in play because that's part of the reason we're here. Uh, lots of quarterbacks to consider in the NFL draft and free agency, what have you. So, I mean, that yesterday, Zach, on, on a Tuesday dominated the discussion with uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, as you would expect, right? Uh, yeah. Th- th- what was, for you, the single biggest takeaway? We'll get into Anthony Costanzo in a minute. Yeah. I don't want to overlook that because that's really important here. But as it relates to quarterbacks. Right. And that's the story. It's going to be the story next week. It's going to be the story for the next two months. I thought you asked an interesting question to Chris Bowden, and I thought his response was very telling, and we'll get into this more. Jacoby Brissett is kind of like the forgotten man here. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just getting pummeled, and and it's sort of – something that kind of struck a chord with Chris Ballard because he's like, look, this is taking a life of its own. Stop. I don't want to go any further, but <laughs> every fan in their minds have moved on to from whether it's Jordan Love or whether it's Justin Herbert or whoever their quarterback fantasy is of the minute. Uh, and everyone seems to be forgetting Jacoby Brissett. I don't know what will happen. I don't think they know what will happen. It's still February, but I do know it's very much a possibility that this guy's still the quarterback come week one. Yeah, I, and I think that is informing uh, the way they talk about this situation. Yes, especially that, Frank Wright. Yes, that reality, I think. Not, not even, regardless of whether they want it to be the case, that's not even the issue. Uh, I mean, they may, I don't know, but that's not even the issue. It's just, it's a reality. That may, in fact, be the case. And I just think, if you're Frank Wright, if you're Chris Ballard, you have to proceed like that's a very real possibility. I, and I think the more I think about it, that's... That's the way I see this. I think a lot of fans are seeing this, and I'm trying to articulate this in a story that I'll finish here at some point. But um, I think a lot of fans hear this talk about Jacoby Brissett and roll their eyes like, this guy sucks. What are you talking about? No, it's a recognition of the situation, and we'll get into some of the scenarios here, but, I mean, this is not 
out of the question. Probably it's the problem. Probably the most likely scenario that it is the quarterback, and, and it's the only one you can sort of bank on. Because you don't know who's going to be available. You don't know. They can't control all you these situations. You had to prepare for the situation where you don't get someone else, and X quarterback doesn't fall to you in April, and you are in the position where you bought yourself time. This is exactly what Chris Ballard said. These are his words. Look, we don't know about Jacoby Brissett. You heard it at the top. We don't know. We bought ourselves time. They were in an unprecedented situation in late August, right? Yeah. Franchise quarterback walks away 15 days before the season opener. What do you do? You buy yourself time. You don't know if Jacoby Brissett is your guy long term, so you buy yourself a year. So they don't have to make a move this offseason, I think it's probably in their best interest to, to not put themselves in a, in a really bad spot next year. I don't like the quarterback class as much next year, but that's the luxury you've afforded yourself by buying yourself time with a two-year deal for Jacoby Brissett. But um, it's, it's a very interesting situation because you, don't, you just don't hear much about Jacoby Brissett right now unless it's people piling on his negative finish to the season and the fact that he needs to get out of here. He's going to be in this team next year. I'm very, very confident in that. Yeah, I mean, his 2019 performance was what it was. I mean, we've never tried to, to spin it as something right. that it wasn't. Right. And I don't think they are either. I don't I, think so. I, I think to the extent that they're willing, they acknowledge she had issues, right? I mean, I mean, Frank Reich yesterday was saying, like, you know, the, the passing game, like, that was you know, that was a reflection of me too. He's saying, you know, right. like that we need to be better, and like that—that's right. painful to me because everywhere I've been, we've had a good passing game. Like, yeah, I mean, he's he's turning the the fire on himself, but right. it's also obviously a, it's critical of Jacoby too indirectly, right? right. So, so they're not, they're not like being evasive about the reality of this. They're not sugarcoating it. Yeah. And and that, another thing here is, I think both things can be true. Jacoby played poorly in the end of the season. Everybody knows that. Jacoby would, would admit that. But it can also be true that he was playing through an injury for part of that, and they didn't have any weapons on offense, and that played into it. Sure. I mean, that absolutely was relevant to this second-half regression that they went through, and they faded from 5-2 and two to 7-9. and nine. And, look, it doesn't mean that I'm saying Jacoby Brissett wasn't the problem because he certainly didn't play well, but there was no T.Y. Hilton. Or when there was, it was a shell of T.Y. Hilton. Everybody will say that. They lost Eric Ebron. I could go down the list. You guys watch the season. So both things can be true, but the Colts, like, believe me, the Colts, when they're evaluating Jacoby Brissett moving forward, they're looking at the entire 2019 season. The fact that he played pretty solid the first seven games, the fact that he played pretty poor the last seven games, um, they're looking at everything. So um, you can't just take a snapshot and say this is, this is over with because it's, it's a little bit more complex than that. And they've been stressing that point over and over and over. Right. So I want to double down on a point that we just touched on a little bit ago, which is the fact that I think if you listen to now, remember, we hear from Jim Mercer on Sunday. Yeah, for, out of know, nowhere. For whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was surprising. And then uh, we also heard from the coach and GM yesterday. And I think as fans, everyone wants to know, okay, well, where is this going? What direction is this leaning or yeah. heading? And the truth of the matter is you can't listen to anything that has been said so far and, and take away any specific course of action. And I think... That's not because they're being evasive, even though they're not going to tell us what they're doing. Right. That being said, uh, it's it's not just because they're being evasive. It's also because they really don't know. This thing is very, very, very fluid. And I, that's something I think that we just have to impress upon people. Like, the the possibilities run the gamut here. Right. Right. I mean. They've acknowledged that. Yeah. I mean. I think they are evaluating the free agents. Yeah. They are looking at all They'd these draft picks. They'd be crazy picks. not to. Right. Frank 
Reich, no less, said that uh, he has spent quite a bit of time looking at the receivers, and right now he's on the quarterbacks in, right. in, in this draft in particular. He is evaluating them, and I'm sure it's it's a very in-depth evaluation, right? So he's in the middle of that, timely with the combine. So, I mean, they're, they're doing their homework there. And then, obviously, they know what they have in Jacoby, and they've reviewed – they actually did – a huge assessment of right. the season right. and have spent most of the past month doing that, um, or at least most of January doing that, and uh, and has some conclusions there. And I think the further you get away from the season, as Frank said yesterday, right, you start to see things a little differently, you know? And it's more about like, oh, man, maybe we should have did this instead as opposed to like, why, why, did we, why didn't he make this play or that throw? And so uh, it's, a, it's fluid, and I just think that's something people have to remember. This is a... We live in a world where everybody wants an answer now. Yeah. yeah. They're not forthcoming. We can't provide those answers, and they can't provide those answers. And it's fine that they don't know right now. Sure. They're preparing for the situations that might arise, guys that might become available in March and free agency. Everyone knows how, how much money the Colts have to spend, $80 million. Money's not going to be an issue. They're going to pay some guys. They're going to pay Anthony Costanzo. They're probably going to pay Ryan Kelly as well. Um, they don't know how the draft's going to go. You prepare for every scenario. They work through those. Mm-hmm. But it's okay that they don't have an answer right now. It's late February. This is what the process is, and the scouting process is playing itself out. And they're looking for the flaws in these guys' games. And that's, that's you know, a lot, of, a lot of scouts will tell you that's the fun part, when not only do you get them in a room and get to know them a little bit, um, but they have some pretty heated debates in the, inside the Colts draft room where guys will pick apart each other's scouting reports and try to get to the core of, of a guy's game and his skill set and remove the clouded judgments that sometimes can come when you're scouting a guy from your region. So that's, that's right. the fun part. But like you said, everywhere I go, the grocery, the gym, <laughs> my daughter's daycare, you know, Philip Rivers, who's, who's coming to Indy? Is it, <laughs> is it Tom Brady? I don't have an answer because Jim Ursay doesn't have an answer. Right. And before Jim Ursay, Jim Ursay is the first one that's going to have an answer. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how the next couple of weeks play out, but it's going to be a fascinating offseason. It's yeah. fascinating next couple of months. And so we can dig a little deeper into the complexity of this because one of the reasons they don't know is because we don't know how these quarterbacks in the draft are going to come off the board. So, right. and, and obviously there's free agency before that, right. but, but that is that's a fluid situation. We'll, we'll right. deal with that here in the coming weeks. But, but as it relates to the draft, we are at the combine, so let's talk about that. Uh, we had this conversation earlier. Like, there's probably a group of four quarterbacks that we think, because we don't know. We don't know shit, right? Like, but we think there's four quarterbacks who are, you know, first-round guys. Um, yeah. That, that group of four, though, right now, I mean, if you pay any attention to projections, and I think they mean something. Yeah. It's a guide. Yeah. If you pay attention to projections, which are informed, the, those that are informed, there are a group of three quarterbacks that are going to be gone bang, bang, bang. Okay? Yeah. So Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert. They could be gone by pick six, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. That, is, that is a very reasonable scenario. So if that's the case, Colts picking at 13, and then there's one more quarterback in that group of four, Jordan Love, hanging, right. hanging in there. Right. Uh, that's seven spots where he could potentially go yep. before you get to him. And I just think that is – there's a scenario where he's not even on the board at 13. There's absolutely a scenario. And this kind of – this kid has the kind of – tantalizing potential mm-hmm. that will make teams make bold moves up the draft. I mean, this kid has that kind of potential. He is not a finished product by any means, and he threw 17 interceptions just last year, and he took a huge step back in his junior season, and there's a lot to get into, and I wrote about that a lot yesterday after spending the entire interview session with Jordan Love and kind of getting to know who this kid was. Um, 
but he's the kind of guy teams would be willing to make a bold gamble on. Maybe one of those teams, the Indianapolis Colts. We sure. know they have draft capital. We know they have three picks in the first 45. The, uh, the resources are there if they want to make a move. Um, you know, we asked Chris Ballard about him yesterday. Talented player. Now, Chris has been on this guy for two years. He's not just all of a sudden digging into the quarterbacks now that Andrew Luck's out of the league and not coming back. Right. He was on Love before it became cool to be on Jordan Love. But I'm sure that's the case with several prospects. He digs into guys for years, um, and he knows Love's story, and he knows Love's skill set very closely. And, and he, you know, he threw this out yesterday. He said, look, he had 17 interceptions, but you know, there's a lot that goes into that. And Matt Ryan had 19 interceptions as a senior at Boston College. Right. Their skill sets are very different, but it doesn't tell the whole story. And if you want to go into this comparison, which a lot of people have, Patrick Mahomes threw 25 interceptions his final two years at Texas Tech. He also threw about 70 touchdowns, too, and Love threw about 52. But I watched the tape on Jordan Love, and the talent is there. It does not take an expert to see it. He can throw it a mile. He is very athletic. His skill set mirrors the way the game is going. Mm -hmm. He's an athlete first and a quarterback, and I really think it's a really good fit on paper. I really think if you can get this guy in a position where he can sit and he passes all the tests in terms of the footwork and the, and the mental stuff and all the interview stuff. If they really buy into this guy, I feel like it could be a really good fit because he can sit and he could work under Frank Reich for a year. And I think he might take some time to acclimate to the NFL game um, and learn a lot like Patrick Mahomes did the year he sat behind Alex Smith. Uh, patience might prove exactly what this kid needs. He's still 21. He's only been playing quarterback for five years. That might be a perfect fit. you got to go get him, and he's got to yeah. pass all the tests to get there, and, and they won't draft him unless they really believe that he's real. But I could see it happening. Yeah, and I think this is a good segue into something that you're dealing with, which is what they're looking for, right? Right. And and I thought that we got, number, number one, we got some detailed answers on that. Yeah. And number two, I think we got uh, a window into how in-depth they go in terms of uh, evaluating these guys, and the, you know, they get these these uh, these private interviews with prospects here at the combine. Like, right. They're getting like 18 minutes apparently, yeah. and uh, it, it's kind of a joke when it comes to a quarterback, right? right. Because you can't even you not can to maybe, the iceberg. Yeah, you can maybe get away with that, you know, with a linebacker if you know if you know you love his game and uh, you know that he's a smart football player. Okay, maybe you don't need to go spend you know two days with him back at his home city but uh with the quarterback you're going especially with a guy like frank reich that's going to be a very extensive process i thought that was kind of fascinating you said you know we need to we need to get in the room with them and spend time with them and and really grill them and i mean it sounds like it's like a a multiple day process in terms of what he's talking about i'd try and spend a week with a kid if i could are you kidding me with that position and, and the importance of this draft pick whoever the colts draft a quarterback this year next year this is the guy. This is the guy that's going to be married to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, and it's, it's going to be the guy that determines how long they are in Indianapolis. Let's be honest. That's yeah. how this works. And I would want to know every single thing I can know about a kid because you're putting a lot of faith and a lot of resources in him, and you're asking him to walk into a locker room, whether it's year one or year two, and get grown men to believe in him. And Indianapolis Colts fans have been spoiled because Andrew Luck did that the first week he was in Indy, I remember. Robert Mathis, Adam Vinatieri, these guys bought into what this kid was selling, and that was very rare. It was never an issue with Peyton Manning, as you guys all know. Right. It will be more difficult with the new guy this time because they're not going to be the number one pick, um, barring a ridiculous trade, which would be something. But <laughs> um, And another thing that I thought was really interesting that Frank Reich hit on yesterday, and Chris Ballard talked about this as well, is 
Frank is a guy that will build his scheme around the talent at quarterback that he has. Mm -hmm. And Chris mentioned this was what Andy Reid does so well. And you've seen the Chiefs' offense evolve with Patrick Mahomes and work so well the last two years, it almost feels unstoppable at times. Yeah. Um, that will be an interesting element because if this, is, if this happens, if this plays out, the Colts are looking at a scenario where Frank Reich will have three different starting quarterbacks in the three years he's been a head coach. Hmm. You do not want that kind of turnover. Obviously, these are unforeseen circumstances, but everything plays a role here, and I think it's really underrated the, the position Frank Reich is in in terms of scouting quarterbacks and working with quarterbacks because whoever walks through that door, whoever the new quarterback is, will be Frank Reich's pupil, and it will yeah. be Frank's job to groom him from the minute he gets to West 56th Street. I, I really do think that Frank Reich is, in this particular scenario, is a huge asset for yeah, them. Yeah, he really and is. And I, I think that, I mean, every team's going to have, you know, an offensive mind, whoever, be it right. the coordinator or whoever, but I mean, but I think he's a quarterback guy, right? Yeah. He is a quarterback. He has a great quarterback eye, from what we can tell. Um, he knows how, as as Chris said, he knows how to get the most out of his quarterbacks. So I, I just think that this is a good scenario. Now they're not maybe in the best situation they want to be in. Yeah. Clearly, right? I mean, You'd they, like to be in the top five, right? They'd love to pick. have the number one pick, right? right. The, but right. it's not what it is. But uh, but if, but being that being what it is, at least the evaluation process, you have you have the right guy. I think undergoing right. Right. the evaluation process. I, I thought that. Um, you know, in terms of the, what we were talking about earlier, but spending time with these guys and getting to learn them. Look, they, as we know, they often send their position coaches out to go spend right. spend a couple of days with right. prospects. They do that all the time. Their offensive line coaches often on the road during right. this time of year. Uh, last year, a couple of prospects I could think of, uh, Marvell Tell, for example, uh, uh, Coach Gannon went yeah. out and worked him out, out, out in L.A. Right. Right. And so they do And this that is what team. Ballard used to do when he was, a, was an area scout. So he's very familiar with that process right. of getting to know guys. Right. So, But this is a situation where I think we're the quarterback. It'll be very interesting to see what the what the vetting process is there. I'm, I'm, I would love to know the details when that time comes. We're not there yet. I think that's yeah. more. This is stuff we don't find out until after the draft. Yeah. They're not letting anything out. I think that's going to be more. Uh, Mid, mid to late March, you know, after the free agency gates open. But uh, that's that's going to be a very critical part of this process. Um, even if they know they love a guy, they're going to cross their T's and dot yeah. the I's, man. And what did Chris say yesterday? And you pointed this out. This is the second time he's made a comment just like this. Quarterbacks get pushed up. Yeah. It happens every year, and you see teams convince themselves that they love a guy, and two, three years later, the guy's not even with the team anymore. And that sets you back. And Ballard has been very adamant about this. He will not let his staff do that. The temptation is going to be there. Believe it. Yeah. The fan base is going to want it. Uh, and I bet there's some guys in that room that want him to go get a quarterback. Uh, and when, the, when you talk about a talent like Jordan Loves, the tape is the tape. And you see those big throws and you see the athletic plays and you see a little bit of Sandlot style, a little bit like Patrick Mahomes. That can cloud your judgment. Second time in two months, Chris Ballard has come out and explicitly said we cannot – push guys up the board just because the quarterback need is there right now what that i I thought that was a very intentional quote by the way uh however a couple of things there i actually have some thoughts about that i think a couple things number one you can take it a couple of ways you can you can take it as whoa maybe he's not bullish on these quarterbacks or you could say maybe it's his way of saying you know we're going to do what we believe is right more than that, which I think is really the point. Yeah. Um, now what we, it doesn't tell us how they feel about the quarterbacks. No. Um, but it does tell us that uh, they're not going to place uh, this 
huge additional extra value on a guy because he's a quarterback. I mean, you're, they're not going to overrate him because he's a quarterback. They're just not. And, you know, we can argue about whether that's the right way to go about it. Uh, I know some fans would feel differently. Some just fans feel, agree with that, though. But, but I think, yeah. I've been impressed with some fans' patience. Yeah. I, I think the, the truth of the matter is he's right when he says when you do that, you make mistakes. Yeah. Um, it's more important it, you find the right guy than you find a guy this year. I, I agree and with that. And it might take some patience, and it might take some losses next year. Right. So look, there's, no, there's no easy answers here, right? So they gotta, they're going to have to figure this out on the fly. But, uh, but, but however it goes, they have to stay true to what they believe. I mean, you have these processes and these, uh, these principles in place, and not everybody's going to agree with them, and that's right. fine. But, like, what's the point of having the principles if you don't stick to them, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's like we have, like, laws or or what you believe or whatever that you know what, what's the there point for of having them if you don't lean on them mm-hmm. when things get difficult that's why they're there in the first place and, and i've talked to people in the organization and i know you have as well mm-hmm. you know everything changed when luck retired and and i asked someone straight up one time like look because you don't have that franchise pillar in place does that mean you feel the impetus to be a little bit more aggressive you've got all this money do you go attack the needs of your team in a more aggressive way and i met free agency and he knew mm-hmm. what i meant and and he said, no, man, you stick. And this is not Ballard. And he said, you stick to your plan. It does not change when you have a franchise quarterback, whether you have them or not. You stick to the plan. I think they're going to do that. I think they're going to actively add some guys in free agency. But they added two big names last year, and that's about it. They added a lot of their own right. guys. They kept them in-house. I don't think they make a huge splash in free agency this year just because luck is gone and the money is there. I think they stick to the team-building approach through the draft, and I think they draft a quarterback. And I don't think you change that mindset simply because things change in a big way on August 24th. And I know the one element to this that's really important is Jim Mersey. Frank has mentioned this, and Ballard has mentioned this as well. There's patience. Mm-hmm. They, do not, they do not have to win this year. You know, Ursay is adamant that they build this the right way. And when Chris sat down with him when he took the job in 17, he said, look, it's going to take five, six years to get this all rolling in every aspect of the organization. They're three years in. They made some strides. They had a big curveball last year. Um, but you don't change the plan, like you said, just because situations have changed. They're going to stick with it. And fans are going to have to be patient. Now, interestingly, though, uh, this is not a change in plan, but but maybe it's part of the plan. Uh, you mentioned free agency and the fact that they, they probably won't go hog wild. But I thought it was very, very interesting that was, in fact, it was your question to yeah. Chris Ballard uh, at a later availability that when we talked to him where he said, you asked, your question was, you know, are you at that place in your, in your team's development of chemistry where you can maybe absorb some bigger free agents, bigger personalities and or contracts, whatever it might be. And he was so adamant about that initially from the day he got hired, remember? And he talked about the locker room was the most important thing. He and said, you can't sign a guy because, he said, guys pay attention to what mm-hmm. those guys are making. You bring right. in a guy and pay him $80 million, guys pay attention to that. That stirs right. resentment. He was very, very mindful of that, and you know that. Yeah. So I think for the first time, though, we heard him, I think, give a different answer on he that. He didn't hesitate. No, I thought it was very forthright. And he said, no, I think our locker room has has really developed, and we got a pretty good group in there. And, I mean, it wasn't a promise, but, no. but it was a, it was an acknowledgement that, you know what, if there's a move we think we can make make us better, we're, we're, we're ready to do it. And You're in the locker room every day. Yeah. You think the locker room's there? 
I, you know, what's interesting, I, I think it's a good group. I think that, uh, I think there's, there's really good chemistry. I think those guys. They like each other. Yeah, they it's do. Not, not they, they're coachable and all that. What I think is missing is um, they, need some, they need somebody to raise hell. Yeah, they need they need a little bit of hellraiser friction. Yeah, I, I actually agree that with quote that. Quote stood out to me on January second when he said we needed a little bit of veteran friction. Yeah, th- let me ask you this: We were in that locker room for all those games last year. Did didn't you want to see somebody get a little mad? Yeah, didn't you want to see some fire? Yeah. I think we saw it in some cases, but very limited. Yeah. Um, you know, Jacoby is. He's fiery in his own right, but but he's he's also he can also be a little defensive, which is not a criticism. It's, that's it's human nature. I'm just saying, but I, I just wonder who's the guy who's going to get in somebody's ass. There was a void yeah. when Luck retired, and yeah. Luck wasn't ever Peyton Manning, but he got on those guys' asses. And I yeah. know circumstances when he took the entire locker room and he yelled at all of them when they were playing poorly, and that mattered and that won them games. And when he left. Brissett addressed the team two days later and said, I'm not going to be Andrew. Um, and he didn't mean necessarily on the field, but Jacoby was Jacoby, and that's right. fine. But I th- I'm with you. They need one of those guys. I think Darius Leonard is growing into that guy. And as a second-year player, um, I saw some of that last year from him. Quentin Nelson, it's time. And I think Quentin Nelson yeah. will become that guy. I think and he's I, fine with that. <laughs> I would not want to cross Quentin Nelson if I'm a teammate. And I think those two, I think those two on offense, one on offense, one on defense, those are your pillar guys for the next 10 years. Those are the guys that can get up in the locker room and raise a little hell, like you said. I don't think I see it from Kenny Moore. He's more of a reserved guy. Right. Um, not on the field. He's a, he's a monster. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's, he actually, he's one that he could maybe grow into that. Like, I've had that conversation with Kenny, and he said, you know, uh, I need to grow as a leader. And I think it takes time, right, to feel comfortable enough to, to right. do that. you got to be like, i got to take care of my own stuff before I go yeah. in here and try to hold other people accountable. But I, but I think, think, think about this. Um, the veterans that they do have, the really established veterans, the guys Justin with the big Houston. contracts, they're not, right, they're not the kind of guys. Anthony Costanzo. No, I don't see that from them. They're the kind of guys who lead by example. Their examples are great. Yeah. Granted, I mean, great yes, pros. please follow Justin Houston. Please follow Anthony Costanzo. T.Y. Hilton, who, I mean, you're not gonna, never going to outwork ty okay so please follow those guys but they're not guys who i think uh they're just going to lead by example and i'm not saying yelling and screaming necessarily makes you it's a leader not like the typical it's, football right yeah it's it's not that you have to be a yeller and screamer i just think it's more about uh it's fire it's emotion it's jack doyle you're not going to get that from no, Jack Doyle, exactly who's a great football player you know, possible Hall of Famer one day. I think you can lead in many. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> I think you could lead in many different ways, but they have a lot of the same types of leaders. Yes. And, and I wonder. This is a really good point that no one's talking yes. about that Ballard is thinking about and stressing about and trying to attack this year yeah. in free agency and possibly the draft. But he wants to change that. And he, he used the word friction and believe it. When they make a move in March, that's going to be in mind. I, I think they could use a little more of an uncomfortable nature in there sometimes. Little, I mean, like when things aren't going They well, need more you know? asshole. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that for lack of a yeah. better word. Um, and this is something, you know, this is something Ryan Grigson talked about years ago. He's like, we want more dogs. We want more guys that are just going to be yeah, a pain. he wasn't wrong about that. And yeah. it was a good point. And I thought those teams, you know, they had a little bit of that and then they lost some of that. Right. And they could use some of that right now. The, their issue was they were so top-heavy, you know, 
right. veteran laden and, right. and no youth, right? But right. now you have the opposite effect. And, and I think sometimes with young players, they're like, uh, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of dangers. Um, not even dangers. That's the wrong word. It's more like realities, right? A couple of realities. Number one, uh, they're not yet established enough to to really influence anybody around them. Right. That's one possibility. Or, in some cases, they don't understand the stakes. You know, and it's like, ah, well, I'm here. I'm in the NFL. Uh, you know, look, mom, I made it. You know, and I, I, I don't seen th- it evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're. I don't think they have a lot of those kinds of guys per se. But I think those are just realities. You kind. There's there's some of that in young guys. That's just the reality of it. And I think uh, Ballard has recognized, I think, give him credit, I mean, for, for, I think, putting this out there. He says, we didn't have enough guys to get us back on track. Yep. He, he took the blame, mm-hmm. personally. He cited a couple guys that played, and these are under-the-radar guys, but mm-hmm. you were in the locker room, and you get a good sense of this. Al Woods right. was great in this regard, and Mike Mitchell in 2018 as well. And those things matter, and it's not just screaming and yelling like you said. Mm-hmm. But believe me when I tell you that Andrew Luck, the nice guy, was not the guy in the locker room. Andrew Luck could be an asshole to his teammates, and that mattered. And I have stories, and I've heard from several teammates across the years. And when he left, they didn't have that last year. When they were set, you know, five and two, and then they were five and five, then they started to fall apart and, and lose just about every game in December. They didn't have that, and they needed right. now was they needed an Andrew Luck. You know, and they yep. and they need some of that moving forward. Yeah, I think I remember a couple of years ago, well, the last season he played, 2018. Uh, I can't recall what game it was. It might have been the Giants. I can't remember what game. Halftime of the Giants. Was it halftime? They did of the not Giants play game? well that right. day. Right, and he lit a fire in those. He right. lit into those guys at halftime. Do which you is, remember they're out on the field and there's 90 seconds before kickoff and they're still in the locker room. Luck was yes. still yelling at them. Vinny told me later that he'd never seen Luck like that. They yeah. won that game. I think it was a Chester Rogers touchdown right right in the last couple right. of minutes. Um, but that helped the winning streak continue, and they got in the playoffs. That, you know, and I think those moments, um, they, they stick with you, and they kind of carry you through tough moments. You know, And I, I think sometimes you need that. I mean, especially where, look, Frank Reich has a, has a leadership style as well that is a lot like some of those leaders I talked about, right? right. I mean, he is not a fiery coach. I mean, he is in, he's a competitor, right. certainly. Um, but but certainly he's not uh, he's not a fire and brimstone coach, right. right? I mean he's not a guy who's an in your face kind of coach. Uh, he he's more than happy to defer to the locker room to kind of right. restore order and that kind of thing, which is fine. You have to be who you are. He can't be somebody else. Right. But all I'm saying is I think it's okay to to upset that or offset that I should say with. You know, some guys who were just like, you know what, I'm going to raise hell. Before Luck grew into that, the guy who did it was Reggie Wayne. That's right. He didn't put up with any crap. Right. Robert Mathis, a man of few words, still would hold guys accountable, and those were those guys, and, and they need those guys. And I think Darius Leonard's going to grow into that. I definitely think Quentin Nelson's going to be yelling at people more next year. Yeah. But that's a really good point. I don't think a lot of people are talking about that. Yeah. So, let's see. I, I think uh, before we wind, before we get too far down the road, we should hit on Anthony Costanzo, yeah. right? I think that is... Huge. I thought this might be heading this way, but it we couldn't be sure, and certainly Jim Mercer hinted at it, but Anthony Costanzo, if you hadn't heard, if you're living in The Rock the last couple of days, he's coming back for, what, this is going to be his 10th season, I believe? 10th season, yeah. yeah. I mean... He's the last Bill Polian draft pick left. Amazing, amazing. And uh, certainly he was a good one. He... I think this was so critical. Um, it's not just that he's coming back. It's, it's what it, It's what it means. Now, if you're Frank Reich, and you take that 
guy out of the equation. Now, all of a sudden, your left tackle is, is a huge void. Your team takes a huge step back. That's right. just the way it is. Yeah. You have to game plan differently. Mm-hmm. I love how he talked about he, the fact that he doesn't help yeah. Anthony Costanzo. Yeah. Look at who they played last year, the edge yeah. rushers they played. Yeah. I actually went through and looked at the schedule. And, he gave up two sacks? Yes. You could argue it was his best season, yeah, So Frank Bragg believes it was. He, he faced T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt, uh, Vaughn Miller. Yep. You know, I mean, Shaq Barrett yep. in Tampa, who yep. led the NFL in sacks. Yep. I mean, so, like, that's what we're talking about. You're talking about a, a guy who, without help for the most part, like 99% of the time, went out and went on and single blocked these guys, the best rushers in the NFL. So, I mean, uh, to, to be able to have that and commit those resources elsewhere, you know, go help Braden Smith on the right side. I mean, right. so I, I just think it, it's, a, it's also a mental boost for your for your quarterback to, to have that security uh, over there. So, right. I mean, you can't overstate what From the minute means. he returned to the lineup, week six of 18, mm-hmm. when they finally got that group together, Glowinski and Quentin Nelson at the guard spots and Kelly and then Braden Smith, everything's been different. I think it's the best stretch of Costanzo's career, and I've been watching him for six or seven years. Um, and I think this alleviates the issue in terms of maybe a left tackles at play at, thir- at 13 in the draft, yeah, right? I mean, I agree. You, without Costanzo, you have to address that in a huge way because it's such an important position. And him coming back for even if it's just 2020, we'll see how this season plays out in the future. Um, the biggest win the Colts have had this offseason, without a doubt. <laughs> it's about time, right? <laughs> right, right. So the other issue, I think that, well, just a, sort of a random observation I've had, and this isn't breaking news per se, but uh, some of the sentiments about the wide receivers in this draft that we heard the last couple of days I thought really impressive Mike Mayock who I really respect in terms right. of he's great just his his knowledge of the draft he's now the Raiders GM but obviously was a draft analyst for many years and I thought yesterday he said that the last several years I don't know how far back this goes but he said in the last several years the the average number of receivers drafted through uh, one through round one through three was like 12. He estimated this year you're talking 20 to 25, at least who are worthy of going in the first three rounds. That is insanity. Is that really, really good timing on yeah. the Colts' part? Because they need yeah. receivers, not yes. just one. They need receivers. And right. these guys are really good, especially the guys at the top. If they do not go quarterback at 13 and they go receiver, Colts fans need to remember that this could this this guy could be a stud for 10 years. Yeah. He could be... Yeah, I think. Listen, you're always talking. You're always thinking about tomorrow. Uh, this draft is not about right now. It's, it's not only about right now. It's also right. about tomorrow. And right. the reason I bring that up is, look, the reality is, T.Y. Hilton. He's 30 years old. He's been hurt yep. the last couple of years. Yep. I I don't anticipate that we've we're seeing the demise of T.Y. Hilton. I think it's fair I to say he's that. past the halfway point. Oh sure, and sure. he might be. It'll be hard for him to be the same player. I'm not. Right. I'm not ruling anything against how T.Y. Hilton because oh. we've seen him play through name and injury. Um, that guy needs help. Jack Doyle needs help. The quarterback, whoever it is, needs help, and they need big time help. I'm. I'm a little tired of the Colts going out in free agency and trying to skimp at the position. Uh, now, Devin Funches was a big signing, and that didn't work out. That right. wasn't their fault, but. It's time to go big, and I think you'd go big in either free agency or the draft or both because you cannot keep half-assing it at this position. Yeah, for a confluence of reasons, they have, I think, had very little impact at wide receiver in terms of their, their offseason moves have, have 
borne very little fruit at wide right. receiver. And some of the, a lot of that's injury, right? We well, you about. drafted a receiver in the first round in 15, and he should be entering year five or six. Oh, my and, God. And I won't even say Sore it. subject. Right. But it happened. Nice kid, though. Nice kid. Uh, look, I mean, at some point, you have to get – uh, some some return on that yeah. investment, and uh, the investment hasn't been other than Dorsett. The the investment hasn't been as major right. because right now, I mean, really with Chris Bowder, we're talking about uh, late round picks outside of Paris Campbell, yeah, who really didn't play last Deion year. Deion Kane, Reese Fountain, who had a good camp, bad right. injury. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kamar Aiken. Yeah, you're talking about throwaway pieces there. Yeah, and I, and I think I'm, uh, I'm done with those. Let's go. Yeah, let's go see something more. Devin Funches, what they took a stab at yeah. it, and, and they, you know, it didn't work and out. They right? were Injuries. in on other guys. I mean, right. Allen Robinson was was a guy the Colts were targeting two years ago in free agency. Right. Didn't close the deal for whatever reason, but uh, they've definitely tried to, to attack the knee. That's for sure. Yeah. So I I, I think as you said. Uh, that need is aligning with uh, the depth of this draft, which is good. Yeah. And there's also some very good defensive player, defensive line men, I should say. Yeah. So, um, they, you know, look, they, they're going to be a better football team uh, uh, by the time the next couple of months are over. And it's just a matter of where those additions come. But there will be additions, and they should be a better football team because they have resources to do that. Whether it's at quarterback, I get that that's a big deal, but it's not, you know, it's not the only – Thing at play, right? right. So, uh, look, if you, you talked about wide receiver, think about this. If you have a couple of studs out there alongside T.Y. Hilton, well, look, I mean, uh, what's that mean for Marlon Mack? What's that mean for yeah. the offensive line? You know, all that. So, I right. mean, how the defense plays you, it, it all, it, it's all positive, right? I mean, so... So, they'll be a better football team. Um, how much better? Eh, we'll see. Got to get better at quarterback. Yeah, I it's mean, it's not going to stop being an issue until it gets addressed, and no question. Then the speculation will continue to build, but that's the fun part, you know. And uh, we're just beginning. It's dude, it's February. <laughs> okay, it's February. It feels like the off season's been going on forever because we've been done for two months. I'm exhausted. I mean, yeah, but uh, no playoff. We're run. really just getting started, right? To be honest with you. Right. So anyway, stay tuned. We got uh, in the coming weeks. We're going to hear. I think things will start to heat up. You've got the new league year coming uh, within a couple of weeks and free agency just around the corner. And then certainly the draft talk will only intensify after that. So lots to come. Uh, we'll be here. We've got tons of stories on tap this week. So yeah. if you're not subscribing, and then, you know, I don't know what you're waiting for. But uh, tons, of, tons of content. Uh, myself, Zach, uh, Bob Kravitz. So, yeah. Please, those of you who are subscribing, we appreciate that, and we love to have you. So, from the Combine, bench press getting underway across the way here. Maybe go check out some of that when we're done. Uh, you know how I love to watch the bench press, Zach. Hey, I'm, I want to go see. I want to go see it. See it live too. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, from the Combine, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is One Percent Better. Thanks for listening.